Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Can you stand to your feet in honor of reading God's Word? We're going to jump right into it. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verse 4. Uh, context for this scripture is that the early church is going through extreme persecution. Um, one of the 12 disciples, James, was uh, captured by King Herod Agrippa and then executed by King Herod. And he was the first of the 12 disciples to be martyred for his faith. And, and then after that, King Herod then captured Peter. And Peter, he was really the leader or the, of, of the, he was the one who, who, who really pushed um, and the forefront of the early church. And so they, they captured Peter and they put him in prison. And then this is where we pick up in verse 4. It says, then he imprisoned him placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each herod intended to bring peter out for public trial after the passover see many believe that had it not been the passover festival at that time that herod would have would have would have uh executed peter on the spot of capturing him but because it was the passover festival he he waited till afterwards and so that's why peter is in prison but it says apart in verse 5 said but while peter was in prison the church prayed everybody say prayed it says while peter was in prison the church didn't panic while peter was in prison they didn't say oh well this early church you know the church movement was was cool but now it's over because he's our he's our leader no it says when peter was in prison the church prayed I believe that there's so many things going on in our life, but they all, uh, they all have the same solution, and that's Jesus Christ. And that if we just say, hey, when things take place, instead of responding out of a panic, what if we responded out of prayer to that situation? It says the church prayed very earnestly for him. And the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. And then suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Man, I want to encourage somebody this morning. You might be praying for something, and maybe you're not seeing the results happen right away, and it feels like, well, maybe I should give up. Maybe I should stop praying. But let me remind you, you serve a God of suddenly. You serve a God that things can change in an instant. You serve a God that you might be praying for your son to be in church for years, and you're not seeing any progress, but then suddenly you see them in the house of God. You might be praying over your marriage that has seemed like it's taken a strain, but you keep on praying, and suddenly there is restoration. That's the, that's the type of God that we serve. We serve a God of suddenly. It says, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. In the cell. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. The chains fell off his wrists. What we're going to talk about this morning is the power of corporate prayer the power of corporate prayer come on let's let's pray together right now Father, we thank you for this service, God. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in your presence, God, to, to be together and to go grow closer to your spirit, Father. So right now, God, we walk out any distractions, remove any barriers. We Right now, God, we thank you for open minds and soft hearts that we're ready, God, to, to come together and learn more about you and to go deeper in your presence, go deeper in the spirit, Father. And we thank you, God, for there being, God, this, this transformations on the inside out, God, that the 
there will be, God, this uh, healings will take place, Father, today. That we will see breakthrough take place today, God. That we will see depression lead today, God. That we will see, God, freedom reign, God, in this place. And your spirit get all the glory. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. And y'all can be seated. Thank y'all for standing in honor of reading God's word. When I was uh, at Bible college, the second year I was there, and a new group of first-year students came, um, I was asked by, st by the staff if I would uh, be willing to uh, be one of the uh, community leaders of the dorms. There was four dorms. There was two guy dorms, two girl dorms. They asked if I would be willing to, uh, to be the community leader of one of the dorms. And, and of course, I said yes. So thank you for the opportunity. And really what my role was is that with about a dorm full of 70 guys between the ages of 18 to 25, my job was to keep the peace. My job was to break up fights. My job was to do a lot of prayer. And, and my responsibility was making sure that everybody came, was, was there on curfew. They weren't sneaking out. I mean, I got a lot of stories from that season. A lot of, uh, but my respons responsibility was to make sure that I took care of the guys. And so uh, the first week um, that, of that semester, um, every Monday, uh, they would have what they called a dorm cleanliness check. And one of the staff members from the college would go and visit each dorm. And then they would see how clean it was, and they would do this every Monday around curfew, which was about 10 o'clock. And so they would check every dorm, and I remember the first time it was going to be the dorm cleanliness on that Monday. I, I told the guys, I, I visited each room, and I said, hey, look, guys, let's, let's take pride um, in our uh, dorm. Let's, let's have excellence, and let, let's, let's try our best. And so, you know, just trying to motivate them. And so we got there a little earlier to clean the dorms, and, and it looked good. It looked pretty good for a guy's dorm. Let me just say this. I've seen some nasty things, okay? So it looked pretty good for a guy's dorm. And, uh, and so the, the staff member came, and she checked the dorms. She went to each room. And, and then the next day, what she would do is she would post the results, first through fourth, of which dorm was the cleanest. And we got second place, which was a really big deal because that means we beat a girl dorm. So I don't know what those girls were doing. But it was a really big deal to us. And so we're like, oh, that's awesome. We got second place. And I remember uh, we had this meeting the next day, and we had all the other leaders of the dorms with us. And, and she was like, hey, good job, guys, on keeping the dorms clean. And she was like, good job, uh, Caleb, on your dorm getting second place. I was like, thank you. But then after that, uh, the, the leader, the girl who was over the, the dorm that got first place, she came up to me, and she was like, great job getting second. But she was like, you'll never get first, though. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus. Because if you know me, I don't need too much to get competitive, right? I'm competitive to a fault. So I said, I said, I said okay. I said, okay. I said, we'll see about that. And I went straight back to our dorm, and I, I said, guys, emergency meeting. And I got everybody in the hallway. I said, look, guys, we got second place, and I think that's awesome. I said, I'm proud of every single one of y'all. I said, but we got some haters in old dorm who think that we are not able to beat them and get first place. So I said, guys, this is what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to be intentional each day of this week and make sure that we don't get too crazy to where it's too much cleaning on Monday. We're going to try to be clean every day. But I said, when Monday comes around, we're going to gather uh, early, going to get here about you know, five, six hours before curfew, and we're going to clean our butts off, you know, and I motivated them. I said, look, guys, we're going to prove them wrong, and so that Monday came, and I, I went to the store. I bought all these cleaning supplies. I bought, I bought all this Clorox. I bought all Fabuloso. You name it, I bought it. I, I bought everything that is to, to clean, and, 
and we were sweeping that time came and all the guys and most of them came early to help clean and so we're all cleaning our rooms and we're sweeping we're vacuuming we're mopping I mean we're cleaning the restrooms the showers I mean we are doing every detail and uh, and then I had the idea I told the guys because there was um there's 10 rooms in the dorm and about six to seven guys per room I said hey once y'all are done cleaning your room instead of being done and going you know about your day go to the next room and start helping them and so that way we can all finish together and that way we can all as a team get this done and so that's what they did and so we're all helping each other right we're all cleaning each other's rooms and and restrooms and and the it was about to be curfew and and the staff member came and and we pulled out all the stops I had I had all my guys put on a suit and tie I had them put on like a coat jacket we had worship music playing I tried to find a red carpet but I couldn't find one in time because I was gonna roll out a red carpet for her to walk down but we pulled out all the stops and she was so amazed and you know we had someone meet her at their at her car open up the door and you know ask order and so we gave her the five-star treatment and we got first place that week and we showed it to we showed it to O'Dorman it was hard to keep him motivated for the rest of the year but we you know we did pretty good but what made me realize I know if you're a leader or of a business or if you're a manager if you're if you lead any type of team you know that it takes a team to accomplish great things that if you try to do things on your on your own you're gonna have a hard time accomplishing your goals you're gonna have a hard time accomplishing a great accumulative effort but when you are together as a team we can accomplish amazing things together see great things are not accomplished by individuals great things are accomplished by a team of people coming together for a common goal Michael Jordan said it like this right the most talented individual you might argue whoever lived he said talent wins games but teams win championships saying hey we might be good individually but if we do not come together as a team we're not going to accomplish anything great and we see this throughout human history right we see the amazing accomplishments that have taken place when a group of people begin to build something and agree on something um, there's we have a slide a few of the seven wonders of the world you see the Great Wall of China the Pyramid of Giza the the Taj Mahal you look at these amazing architectural feats and you begin to think about wow I imagine what what they had to do the communication the agreement the, to, to come together and to work towards the same goal and you look at the amazing things that they were able to build the amazing things that we have been able to accomplish just with our hands and coming together in agreement but this is what I want us to think about today think about the amazing things we can do when we agree with our hands and put them to use imagine the amazing things we can do together when we put our prayers together and agree together amen imagine the amazing accomplishments that could take place when instead of having a scattered church we have a unified church agreeing together over the healings taking place agreeing together that we're gonna see the city of Victoria being turned upside down for Jesus imagine what could be accomplished when we came into agreement with our prayers that the same intentionality that they used to build the Taj Mahal imagine if we use that same intentionality in the spirit and say we're gonna work together as a team we're not gonna be arguing amongst each other we're gonna be agreeing with one another and we're gonna be praying for God's will to take place for cancers to disappear for lives to be transformed for addiction to be relieved Imagine what would happen if we came together and we agreed. 
I believe that if we came together like that, that we would see amazing things take place. That if we came together like that and we begin to pray in agreement with the same spirit, we begin to see God's will and amazing things happen in the spirit. But when we're talking about corporate prayer and this agreeing together, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to disagree together on things that just benefit our own ambitions. That doesn't mean that we're all supposed to agree together and say, okay, we're going to agree that we're all going to get mansions. Okay, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that we all right. Like, we got to make sure that it, we're agreeing with what God has asked us to do. Because if we are agreeing on things that only elevate our name, who knows, we might be going in the, we might getting things done, but we're getting things done in the wrong direction. We might be accomplishing some things. That's why you got to be careful. If you see somebody accomplishing great things, don't be so quick to say, oh, I wish I was them. Because if they're accomplishing things, but it's not what God has asked them to do, they might look like they're having success, but they're out of the will of God. But when we come into agreement together and glorify the name of Jesus, that's when we see awesome things take place. Because see, look what God says about humanity in Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, this is 700 years after the flood. In verse 4, it says, and they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves. Everybody say ourselves. They say, come, let's build something for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky, and this will make us famous. Oh, my Lord. If there's something, you know, next generation, as I heard people pray for a lot, I just want to be famous. Right? I, just want to be, I just want to be famous. And these people, right, that has been something that man has been trying to get through their flesh since the beginning of time. To be not known by God, but to be known by man. And that's not what we're called to do. He said, this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. See, many theologians believe that they were trying to build this Tower of Babel so high so that if the flood was ever sent again by God, they could go up in that tower and not be scattered. But even though God promised him, if you know scripture, right, God promised him, he promised Noah, he said, hey, I'm never going to send a flood again. But even though he promised that to them, they were still out of fear and pride were building that tower. It says, verse 5, but the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. And he said, look, the people are united. Everybody say united. He said, the people are united, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Right. See, that just goes to show if we just come together and if we disagree on something, we can accomplish that thing. And God saw that. He got, he, God saw that they were united and together. And if you know what God did next, then you know he confused their language. He confused how they were communicating and that brought them out of agreement and then that caused the tower to not be built and then they were scattered amongst the world now you might be asking yourself pastor cj why would god do that why would god scatter the people why would god confuse your language let me tell you why because although they were in agreement with each other they were in rebellion towards god even though they were united within each other they were going against the will of God. Let me, let me prove it to you in Genesis chapter 9. This is what God told Noah. He said, then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He said, go to all corners of the earth. What were they doing? 
they might have been fruitful multiplying, but they were not going all throughout the world, right? They were staying in one city, building a tower. They were in complete rebellion towards God. And this is, reading that, it showed me this. It's that it's not just enough for us to be in agreement with each other, but we must also be in an alignment with God. It's not enough for us to be in agreement with each other. We must also be in alignment with God. Because if we are just in agreement with each other and are building things based on our own ambition and ego and is doing things to try to elevate ourselves, you know what we're doing? We're doing what they did in Babylon, right? We're building the tower to ourselves. We're building things just to glorify our name. We're building something just to elevate our platform. But see, we were not called to glorify our name. We are called to glorify the name of Jesus. We're called to glorify God. We're called to come into agreement and say it wasn't by our strength. It was by the Spirit. It wasn't by us coming together and having our talent. It was by the power of God we were able to accomplish these things. That's what we're supposed to say. I hope when somebody looks at Riverside Church and sees the miracle signs and wonders and the baptisms taking place, I hope they don't look at us and say, oh, they must be talented. I hope they look at us and say, that's the power of God working through them. All the glory is going to the name of Jesus. All the glory is not going to a name, but it's going to the name above all names. That's the name of Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do when we build together. Be in agreement with one another, but be in an alignment with God. So that's why he, God had to scatter the people. So the people are scattered all over the world. But God had to find a way to bring them back together and then align with him. And so a few hundred years later, he makes a covenant with the people of Israel on the Mount of Sinai. He makes a covenant with them, and he gives them the law. He gives them the commandments, and he says this. He said, if you keep my law and do what I command, you will be blessed. You will be, in my, you will be favored by God, and you will begin to see the, the people walk in my will and my provision. He made that covenant with them to align them and unite them. But if you know the story, A, you know there's no such thing as a perfect person, and B, you know the nation of Israel could not hold up their end of the bargain. They were in constant rebellion towards God. They were constantly doing and going against the, the opposite direction that God was asking them to do. And so they were out of alignment with God, and they went through, tr through trials. They went through many things. They, they, they went into being under captivity. Why? Because they were breaking their end of the bargain with their covenant with God. And so the, the answer was clear. People can't save themselves. The answer was, was clear. We will always fall short. And the answer was clear. We needed a Savior to come to this world and save us from our sins. And that's why God sent his son Jesus. In Hebrews 8, verse 6, it says, But now Jesus, everybody say Jesus. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Come on, who's thankful for the better promises that we enjoy when our covenant with Jesus Christ and the authority we get to walk in? He said, better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there had been no need for a second covenant to replace it. So God sends his son, Jesus. He becomes our high priest, right? He then lives the life that we couldn't live, a sinless, blameless life. And then he died the death that you and I deserved. He went to Calvary. He went on the cross. He died the death. He paid the price. 
Who's thankful he didn't stay dead on that cross or in that grave? But on the third day, he rose again, defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now you and I can call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ and sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Come on, who's thankful for what Jesus has done for us? And because of that, now, through Jesus, he has cleansed us of our sins. But not only does Jesus align us and cleanse us of our sins, but he unites us as well. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul says, so now you Gentiles, turn to your neighbor and say that to you. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Wow, isn't that awesome? We were once foreigners before Jesus, but after Jesus, now we're family. I don't know if you notice this, but this is a family reunion every time we gather. We are now family. Verse 20, together, everybody say together. We are his house. Mm, together, we are his house. Together. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. See, now you and I are no longer foreigners. Now you and I are no longer looking at each other towards God and saying we're outside of the house of God. But now, because of the blood of Jesus, now we are family. Now we are together, and now we are united. Who's thankful for what Jesus did for us, uniting us? It's the family of God. And it says Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the foundation built upon the apostles and the prophets. See, the cornerstone was the stone that kept everything aligned in the foundation. The cornerstone was a stone used by builders of that time to then put all of what was going to be built on top of it, it was all going to be built on top of the foundation that the cornerstone provide and that the teachings of the apostles and the prophets provide in the foundation. And that's how signifies how important it is for us to be unified with him. But look, let's go a little bit deeper in, in 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 2. With that in mind, with what we just said, talked about in Ephesians, look, look what it says in 1 Peter. Verse 4, it says, you, turn to your neighbor and say you. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. Everybody say living stones. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And what's more, you are his holy priest. And through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. See, we are the living stones. Jesus is the cornerstone. We are the ones that, upon the foundation that the cornerstone provides with the apostles and the prophets, we are the living stones able to be built upon that. Let me tell you something. If you try to build your life upon any other foundation other than the name of Jesus, you're going to be crumbling all throughout your life. If you try to build your life upon anything other than what Jesus commanded us to line ourselves up with, you're going to be confused. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to live day after day on what Scripture says, falling sin. <laughs> scripture says it like this. Those who build their life upon anything else but the name of Jesus builds their lives upon sin. 
a sinking sand that doesn't matter how high you build you're still going to sink beneath the foundation but when we begin to build upon the rock that is Jesus Christ and we build upon the foundation that he provided we can build higher and higher and know that we have a firm foundation in the name of Jesus know that even when things might come our way because of the foundation we are upon we won't be swayed that even when things begin the enemy tries to comes against us and tries to convince us of anything less we can refer back to our foundation you know what's awesome even when you feel like things have knocked you down if you have the right foundation you can always build again sometimes life you get man i lost it all i've lost i don't know what i'm doing i i feels like god has tore away every, or or the world has tore away everything but god has supplied the foundation to start building again to start building again sometimes rock bottom is the foundation we need we need to start building again on the name of jesus amen so jesus is the cornerstone i want to give you all a slide here that signifies it you see jesus is the cornerstone that makes that foundation hold and the, with the teachings of the prophets and the, and the apostles that's that's the foundation and see on top of that that's you and i we are the living stones that the church is able to be built upon the name of Jesus, the, the foundation that he provides, the foundations that the teachings provided by the apostles and the prophets through Jesus. That foundation is what we build upon. And that cornerstone, it, what it does, see, without that cornerstone, everything is, is fitted together to a, to a point of pressure. And all that point of pressure is pointed towards the cornerstone. If you remove that cornerstone, I'm telling you, things will begin to crumble but who knows that there's there's one weight that can hold our worries that can hold everything it's the name of Jesus if you try to make people your cornerstone you're gonna crumble if you try to make finances your cornerstone guess what you're going to crumble if you try to make if you try to make what you see a political opinion whatever it is your cornerstone if you might try to make anything other than the name of Jesus your cornerstone things are going to crumble but who's thankful we have a cornerstone in the name of Jesus? Who's thankful that we don't have to search for the world to find our foundation, but all we have to do is seek the name of Jesus and he is our foundation. He is what sets us to be able to begin to build and begin to, to begin to live a life built upon the name of Jesus. That's a long introduction, but I wanna say what our first point is for today. Jesus unifies us, with, unifies us with God and unites, everybody say unites, and unites us with each other. Jesus unifies us with God and unites us with each other. Catch this, this is really cool. Not only did we become sons and daughters of God, but we became brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only did we become sons and daughters of God, but we became brothers and sisters in Christ united through the name of Jesus what unites us here in this church isn't a political opinion what unites us here in the church isn't going to be the color of your skin what unites us here in the church isn't going to be some kind of economic class what unites us together is the blood of Jesus running through our spiritual veins that's what makes us family that's what unites us nothing of this world but what God has to offer through his son that's what unites us that we're able to become a part of this world and know that we don't have to live it alone. Knowing that we have brothers and sisters in Christ. You might be saying, hey, Pastor CJ, you don't know my family. They crazy. They probably are. But you have a spiritual family that will be able to support you. 
You have a spiritual family that can agree with you. You have a spiritual family. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what is, it seems like weighing on your shoulders. But you have brothers and sisters in Christ that you can say, hey, come on over and let's agree. Come over and let's agree that we're going to see breakthrough. Come over and let's agree together that we're going to see God's best take place. Let's agree together. Because of what Jesus did, now we have a family in his name. But see, Jesus wanted us to be united and in agreement. He wanted us to be together, but also to be in agreement with each other. Matthew 18, 19 says this. He said, I'll also tell you this. If two of you agree, everybody say agree, here on earth concerning, concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together, everybody say together, as my followers, I am there among them. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, if you agree with your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you come together and begin to agree with one another, guess what? Whatever you ask according to the will of God, whatever you ask according to what glorify his name, it will be given to you. But you just have to agree with one another. You just have to come together and begin to agree with each other over the things that Jesus has asked us to do. And that's what's so powerful about corporate prayer is when we are agreeing with one another in the spirit. See, corporate prayer doesn't just mean being in the same room with one another. Corporate prayer doesn't mean just being able to, to be together in the same place. Corporate prayer is when we are in the same agreement. Because see, there might be a move of God going on. There might be a healing going on. There might be, God might be transforming somebody's life. God might be by setting chains free and breaking them from addiction. But if you're not in, in agreement with that, you're going to miss it. If you're not in agreement with that spirit that God is beginning to do and God's beginning to move with his power of God, if you're not in agreement with that and you're over here, well, I don't know if, I don't know if that's really working. And you're not in agreement, you're going to miss it. It's much more than just being in the same room as the power of God. You've got to be in agreement with the power of God. You've got to say, I agree that what I'm seeing, I, I, I see people being set free. I see lies being set free. I'm going to be in agreement with that. I'm not going to fight against it. I'm going to be in agreement with it because I don't want to miss out on the power of God. I don't want to miss out on what God is doing. See, sometimes I schedule a haircut, and sometimes I have to miss it, so I reschedule. But that's fine, right? A lot of times my, when I, I, I used to schedule my, my month around UT football games. But God has delivered me. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but now when I see a game coming up and I'm not able to make it, that's fine. There's a DVR. I can record it. Right? I can go back. But what I'm not going to miss is the move of God. You can't reschedule the move of God and say, well, God, I see you moving, but can you wait till next week? Is it more convenient for me? You're going to miss out on the move of God. If you say, God, I want to do, well, God, can we just record it and I'll watch it back later? No, you're going to miss out on the move of God. But when you see the move of God and you say, I'm going to be in the middle of it, I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to agree with what's going on. I'm going to agree with the breakthrough that's taking place in the spirit. I'm telling you, if you have that mindset, you're never going to miss it. Stop waiting to figure things out before you follow it. If you wait to figure things out before you step out by faith to follow it, you're going to miss it. If you wait to say, well, how is God healing that person? And how is God, wonder what, he, and you wait to figure things out before you agree and follow it, you're going to miss it. But if you say by faith, say, I'm stepping out by faith, and I agree that for them, and I agree that for me, and I agree that we're going to be healed together, set free together, and see God's hand on moving our lives. If you come into agreement with that, you're never going to miss out on the move of God.
You're never going to miss out what God is doing in your life. So Jesus wants, to come, wants us to come in agreement with his will. Because I think, well, I know that he understands the power of agreement. He understands the advantage that we have over the enemy when we agree together. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 32 says, verse 30. It says, one person chases a thousand of them and two people chases 10,000. Everybody say 10,000. It says, one person can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000. Now, if you try to figure out that math, it really doesn't make sense because in my head, I think, well, if one can chase a thousand, then two can chase two thousand, three can chase three thousand, four, and so forth, right? But they kind of skip apart. There's kind of an exponential advantage when two begin to agree. And I don't know if you've ever thought mathematically what that conclusion would be if we begin to add more people agreeing together and how many together we could chase away. I don't know if you asked yourself because I did, because I'm glad you asked because we had it. <laughs> this, is what we this is what we can see, you know, our best of what it would look like if we follow that mathematical equation. See, one believer chases 1,000. Two believers chases 10,000. Three believers chase a hundred thousand four believers chase a million five believers chase 10 million six believers coming together chase 100 million and seven believers together chase a billion come on who's thankful that when we come together we see power when we come together in agreement we see the advantage over the enemy here's point two for today is this is that our prayers are stronger together our prayers are stronger together. Could you imagine what would happen in Victoria if we began to combine our prayers in agreement and we began to speak in unity and we began to, we began to pray in agreement with God's will? Could you imagine what could be accomplished in Victoria in this church, in this house? Could you imagine what could be accomplished in your family? Imagine in your family at a time, and instead of something, after a long day, instead of, of, instead of being stressed out and, and saying, well, you know what, let me just put on Netflix and calm my mind, instead of saying, you know what, let's pray together. Let's agree together. Haley and I, it doesn't matter what type of day we've had, we always say, hey, we've got to come together and pray. Sometimes it's only five minutes, sometimes it's, it can be longer, but we have to come together and pray over our family. We have to pray in agreement. We have to pray in agreement that we will see God's hand provide for our families. We will see God's hand protect our families. That we will see God's will take place in the house and begin to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have to come into agreement. And could you imagine what could take place when we agree together? Could you imagine the type of ground we would take from the enemy when we agree together? Could you imagine all the healings, all the all the breakthroughs that would take place when we begin to agree together. And that explains why the enemy is so focused on dividing the church. Because when you think about that and the power of a united church, then that makes sense why the enemy wants a divided church. Because the enemy knows what happens when we agree. So that's why he tries to divide us over silly things like, you know, opinions and religion and tradition and silly things that don't, it isn't about Jesus, and we argue about mundane things, and we miss out on the miraculous. But can you imagine what happens when we agree? 
Because the enemy knows that when we are united, the enemy knows that when we begin to agree, the enemy is terrified of a united church. He's terrified of a church who's united, who has the same accord and agreement with one another, and has begun to be intentionally attacking the darkness back. The enemy's terrified of that. The enemy's terrified when families get together and begin to pray. The enemy's terrified of that. The enemy's terrified when you begin to pray over your business together with your coworkers. The enemy is terrified of that. Because every aspect of our life, if we put the power of corporate prayer and agreement, the enemy is terrified of those results. Because he knows that when we begin to agree together, captives will be set free. He knows when we begin to agree together, prodigals will begin to return. He knows that when we begin to agree together of the same mind and accord with the will of God, that there will be such a move of God. It won't matter how many he sends our way because we are agreeing together. We're sending billions and billions to fight because we are agreeing together with the same unity and same mind. Come on, if you agree with that, stand to your feet. We're closing today. We're closing today. There is power in our prayers when we agree together. Our prayers are stronger together. Our prayers can be amplified when we come and agree together. But I want to close with a scripture in John chapter 17. John chapter 17. This is Jesus praying to God. And you know what he's praying about? See, Right now, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's less than 24 hours away from the cross. If I was Jesus, I'd be praying, God, let the cross not hurt so bad, right? If I was praying, say, God, turn back the Pharisees and the Roman officials. God, turn them back. But Jesus didn't pray that. You know who was on his mind hours before the cross? You and I. And he began to pray to God about us. And if Jesus had to pray, how much more should we no, we need to pray. So Jesus began to pray in verse 20. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. And as you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us. So that the world, everybody say the world. So that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity everybody say unity may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that our businesses will know that our families will know that people looking at us will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me Jesus was praying and he said let them walk in unity so that way they can change the world let them walk together in agreement so that way when the world looks at them, they know there's something different about them. They're not trying to fight against one another. They're not trying to compete against one another. They're in unity with one another. 
And when Jesus used the word perfect, I don't think he was saying that we had to be perfect people because none of us are perfect. But the word perfect can be synonymous with the word pure. He was saying there's a pure unity of a pure mind, pure motives, of a pure spirit. Unified together. Why? So that way the world will know that I am your son. That Jesus is the Lord of lords. Let our unity be our voice. Let our unity be the evidence. Let our unity in spirit and let our agreement be what the world sees to say there is something different about them and it doesn't come from the world. There's something different on the inside of them. They have such a unity that when they come together, they don't just build things that change maybe their personal lives. They build things that changes the world. That they begin to, we begin to see sickness be healed. We begin to see captives be, be set free. There's something different about their unity. I'm close with this stop. Jesus gives us the ability to have unity for us to change the world. Or look at it like this. Jesus gave us that ability to have unity so that way you could change your family and agree together. Jesus gave us the ability to have unity so we can change our neighborhoods and our schools and our businesses. Because without Jesus, there might be unity of effort, but there's no unity of spirit. But with, Je with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with His anointing, we have unity in things that the world cannot see. We have unity in a way that the world cannot comprehend. We have unity over the name of Jesus. We have unity over the foundation that he set. What I want us to do right now is this, let's just agree together. Let's be in unity together. Father, we thank you, God, that we are agreeing, Father, that we will see your hand be over our lives. We agree together, God, that we will see the captives be set free. We agree together, God, that we will see depression dissipate, Father. We agree together that we will see cancer begin to dissolve. We agree together that we will begin to see marriages be restored. We agree together that we will begin to see, Father, your will take place in Victoria and for this, this region to be taken for your name and for there to be breakthrough, for there to be clarity. God, we agree. We agree with you. We come in agreement. That by your hand and by your spirit, we will see transformation from the inside out. That by your hand, we will see lives be saved. By your hand, we will see families come together. And that by your hand, we will see your will take place. Now, with every hand lifted, let's go into worship in agreement. Let's just go into this time. And this is agree together. And let's watch God do the miraculous. Come on, let's worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.